Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 92. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Lil Springer. This week, we're talking about salon culture, something we often hear about. But what exactly does it mean? Should we be investing more time into developing a salon culture? What impacts does it have or can it have on a business? Stay tuned for this week's conversation. And as always, we'll top off the show with our latest announcements and upcoming Forest Academy webinars. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. So just before we get into this show, we'd like to give some context of just how this episode came about. So as some of our clients may already know, members of Forest, so when you become a new staff member here, we do what's called on-site days, uh, especially the product team. So anyone that works mostly on kind of new features and how we can upgrade Forest and stuff. So it's vital for us to do these on-site days so we can learn how Forest actually works in a salon environment rather than just kind of coming up with assumptions sitting here in the office. A few months back, our CEO, Ronan, and head of product, Paddy, spent the day working in the Space Salon here in Dublin, owned by Nadine Quinn and Carla McQuillan. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. So excited to be on the show, yeah? Yes. Really excited. A little bit nervous. Nervous? Why would you be nervous? (laughs) Yeah, so I suppose the first thing I want to start it off was... uh, would you like to share with us how the day actually went? I know you, you guys were saying that you weren't actually there on the day, but you did get some feedback. How did Patty and Ronan perform? Would you let them back in? Would you even hire them? <laughs> well, the great thing was that both Selena and Keith, um, Selena is our manager and Keith is our head coordinator. How I hear it is that they had to teach them all about their own system. <laughs> and this is what we mean by having to spend the day in the salon. It's all it, like it's great to build a product here in the office and come up with all these great ideas, but unless you actually see how it works in the environment, it's just a great idea and assumption, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was really important for the guys to be there and be like on the front line and getting their hands dirty because they can really truly see the efficiency of the system from that perspective um, and see what tools they can improve on and what tools um, and get ideas from people who are doing it on a daily basis. So, um, I mean, they had great fun and it was lovely to have their presence there. And even we, do, we only... The space is kind of outnumbered. We only have one male in there at the minute. So to have two men in there for the day, answering our phones and greeting our clients at the desk was was um, nice for a change. But I think Selena and Kifa did school them a little bit, if I'm being honest. I remember seeing, if um, I think it was an Instagram post saying, when you have to teach the CEO of your software how to use its own software. <laughs> it was on Instagram. It was on Slack, so which is our work version of like WhatsApp and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, they got a, they got a bit of a grill in that day. <laughs> At one stage, I heard to Paddy embarrassingly, or Ron and say to Paddy, kind of embarrassed, like, I designed it. <laughs> <laughs> she could work it better than I did. <laughs> They're going to love hearing this episode. <laughs> In fairness, though, Paddy came back to me um, that day and he was like, guys, Killian, Zoe, you need to get these guys on the show. They have such a great culture. And he obviously didn't mention anything about what happened for his part of the day. <laughs> but he was just like, the guys are amazing. You need to like start uh, chatting to them and, and see how, how we can like work out a podcast episode. So I'm really excited to hear about what you guys have um, going on. Like I hear you do a lot of yoga workshops, events and stuff. Am I completely wrong saying that? No, you're right, yeah. What happened was when we first initially opened the space, both myself and Carla had been in the industry for so long um, and we've worked in every area. We've 
we've been busy stylists, we've been uh, competed, we've walked from the fashion side of things, we've been teachers. Um, and I suppose we got to see every angle of hairdressing and we wanted to take all the good and then also anything that we felt um, could be better from loads of different points of view, like better for the staff environment, better for education to help elevate the industry, better for um, even like environmentally better, what the best products we could use, the best ways we could use them, how much, how ethically friendly could we be, how ecologically friendly could we be. And also really bring both their personalities into it. I've been meditating and doing yoga and kind of educate myself on um I suppose mindfulness and well-being for about 10 years and Carla um super passionate about education and about kind of how often correct me if I'm wrong Carla but there is this kind of um an idea that hairdressers can kind of be in the service industry and kind of be blue collar and stigmatized stigmatized yeah so we really wanted to, one, make the environment all about well-being so that we felt like our girls were walking from a place of clarity and they had the opportunity to drop anything overwhelming or frustrating or anything that would um, take their focus off their task at hand and obviously make them really empathetic, intuitive, compassionate, help them be really relatable with clients and to be equipped because it's such a busy fast-paced demanding environment to be equipped emotionally that if any challenges came up through the day that they weren't having knee-jerk reactions that they could be more solution um focused and I think mindfulness meditation yoga things like that really helps us with that and it also means we have a message and we have a culture and we have a belief system that we all very much embody and believe in and not everybody who comes to the space initially feels that way, but actually pe- usually the people who are most cynical about it end up almost being the most curious. Um, and it does really gel us together. And it also does create an atmosphere in the space that can't be explained. It really has to be felt, which is probably what I think Paddy was talking about when you said you kind of have to get on to the girls. And the other unique part of it, about our culture is probably Carla's side of things and the belief in the CPD initiative and highly educating our staff um, and constantly updating our skill so that we can be the best of the best and we're not caught off guard. Or, yeah. do, you, do you want to say anything Absolutely. more about that? Like for, for us as well, obviously, we had nearly... 13 years in the industry before we went into the space and it's such a physically demanding job that actually we really felt that for us we needed to look after the the employees or our team they're not even our employees in our eyes but our team force because if we look after and mind then everything else just flows from there and we we just really we felt like that was the way we we needed to work forward because we had come up against these problems all through the years and they were the reasons that maybe we left employers or maybe we were unsatisfied and yeah. we just tried to come up with every reason we were unsatisfied throughout the years and and to come up with a solution for that yeah. and for me as well it was I, I don't know I don't this is maybe less prevalent now but in our time of kind of um 
train and, and walk and just seemed often you were walking under men, which is not a bad thing at all. We love men. But um, I could see kind of a lot of injustice and you kind of felt like women weren't being prioritised or weren't really being upheld or glorified or even getting the opportunity to step into their full potential from business women to creativity and um, just often not being not getting the benefits whether that's financially or I suppose in loads of different ways so we, we wanted to make sure there was a real support network in there not just for women but for men but it is just a female dominated industry so a real understanding and a real support network and we wanted to create as much balance as we could for our team as well and just as much support and balance and encouragement and trying to make sure that they're fulfilled and more elements than just feeling like they come into work and that they're just in the service industry and that the only reason we want them there is to generate profits like for us that just wasn't enough when we were growing up in the industry ourselves that just wasn't enough of a of a why of a cause of a of a purpose so we wanted to make sure that everyone who's in the space really had the opportunity to live fully in their purpose and fully in their creativity or in their whatever yeah. side to their personality they wanted to really excel in that the opportunity was going to be there for them to do that absolutely i mean any jobs gone <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think uh, another thing is no for any business owners that are thinking how can we implement this into our businesses it can be a scary prospect but hairdressing is what is regarded as a hamster wheel business you have to keep producing the services to make what we would call a profit mm-hmm. but in relation to other industries it's not a hugely profitable industry so if you're most hairdressers have maybe one business Mm -hmm. and for us if if it was going to be a hamster wheel business we were going to make it the best hamster wheel business it could be it was going to be enjoyable to be there it was going to be enjoyable to spend your hours there it's going to be a fun place to be Mm -hmm. and it was going to be a place that you walked out and you felt great from Mm -hmm. so like I just wanted to put and Nadine wants to put the power back in the hairdresser's hands yeah. and, and let them know that they're the ultimate expert. Like, these girls are doing so much more than hairdressing. Yeah. They're, they're therapists. They're, what, they're See, everything. Yeah. They're not yeah. just doing fantastic hair. There's so much science in hairdressing. They, they have to be a, a business within a business. There's a million sides to it. So um, for us, it's about elevating them and giving them the, the knowledge and the power to yeah so create this space for themselves we really reinvest in like education on a practical level we try and find the best people in the world who are doing the best things in the best way and we hunt them down and we get as many people on on our team and to whether we get educators here whether we travel abroad to see educators we really make sure that we try to be ahead of the cusp from an education standpoint so that our skill is really up there then obviously we utilize we use meditation so that we can utilize well-being and obviously increase emotional intelligence that makes them really good cord or really good um conversationalists that make them um really good communicators and also really good team members because they they have each other's best interests at heart and that way it's kind of trying to avoid that that um typical underestimating of the hair of the hairdresser that they are the experts they can communicate really well they are worldly open-minded cultured human beings and they deserve to be paid that way and they deserve to be 
uh, I suppose viewed and credited and credit that yeah. way and I think I think so far we've nailed it and I think that's what's so special about the space and that's why the space in such a short time just two years has such a, a, a strong reputation and hopefully we will just continue to grow that and maintain it and make it even stronger and even better and continue to do what we can I suppose yeah like I have to say just watching the two years on this webcam here like your boat not only quite clearly passionate about the salon industry or the hairdressing industry and your business but it's great to see how passionate like you're both jumping around in your chair how passionate you are for actually having a proper work balance or a good workplace for your staff and that's it's just amazing to see not only listening to you just watching how passionate you are about your staff your employees and giving them that quality of life I think it works both ways then because it's easier for us because we've built that into the culture and that's now the culture of the space. They are solution focused. They come to us with more solutions than dramas and they they solve their own problems. If issues arise or challenge arise, they kind of are more equipped what to do with them. I think our turnover staff is going to be really minimised because nobody wants, why would they leave or would they go? Would they get all those lovely elements anywhere else? They believe and embody our message so much that they, they, it feels like a family more so than a, than a, just a place of work. So it serves, it, it, like we get great return on it. It's not necessarily like a, a return we can measure. Yeah. But it's most certainly there, do you know? I wonder for you guys, what does it mean concretely to have a salon culture? Is it something that's static or is it something that's fluid that changes over time, depending on who like takes part of your team, who leaves and stuff? How do you see that? Well, I don't think anything is static. Nothing yeah. is static. Everything is fluid because if you're static and you stand still, you're going to drown. Yeah. Um, but I think that it definitely is always going to develop, isn't it? But it's something that we absolutely see as being essential from the word go. Am I answering that question? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think we did, like, our, it is challenged sometimes. Like, obviously, we get new staff members who maybe haven't been there like from the very start and who have to adapt and learn and try and um, now start to embody this culture that maybe is completely alien to them. And that can that can shake the leaves of the tree a little bit, but it always works in our favour because I think the intentions of it are so pure and good that who doesn't want to be a part of that? And actually, because we don't just say it and not live it, when new people come in and see us, see us embody it and live it and act it and um, see how true it is for us. That makes them compelled to just want to be a part of it. Yeah, I just wanted to come back to something you said there earlier. You said about how with your team, there's no dramas, only solutions. Does that culture come back from kind of your recruitment process where I suppose rather than having to tell your staff or your team what to do, they're almost coming to you with going, I'm going to do this or we should do this or they're coming up with solutions before there's even a problem that you've identified. Yeah. I don't think it's in the recruitment yeah. phase because I think in the recruitment phase, like obviously you tell an, a, a, post, a future employer what they want to hear, like in forced interview phases, you get a feel for someone, but you don't really get to know somebody necessarily. And I think that whole like behavioral, um, compassion, empathy, like there are often things that are not natural skills to people and have to be practiced and people have to be have to be around that to kind of learn learn the environment and learn the culture and learn your ways. Um, so often people don't have it initially. No, but, they don't. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
but then the more they come to us with dramas, like a couple of months in, they'll start to come to you with the drama plus the solution. A couple yeah. of months later, they'll start to come with only the solution. So you can see it kind of just creeps into everybody. Yeah, because, you coach them. You coach them into yeah. your culture. And there's just no room because nobody else in the salon is practicing drama. They don't know where to put it. There's no room for it. So yeah. It just starts to kind of, to kind of dwindle yeah. out. Yeah. So I think the other unique quality about the space, which was really important to both me and Carla right from the initial stages, was that um, in this current kind of cultural climate or social scenario, beauty can be seen as a very, as almost a vain thing or a materialistic thing. And actually as well, with like the influence of social media, you can be very dependent on likes and um, like external looking externally for your kind of sense of value and we really wanted to get back to the to the kind of core message of beauty and how beauty was not just a visual thing that was very much skin deep and that's also another reason why why we have our soul sessions at least once a month and they're open up to clients and our clients can be a part of our wellness message as well and that we really really prioritize the condition of the hair and the natural beauty of the hair and we focus on trying to enhance what people have naturally rather than completely change people um, and we work with their with their with their symmetry and with their natural tones as much as possible and even just having that that ability to converse really well and have empathy and understanding and compassion for people that, that we preach a message of kind of a rounded beauty story rather than just a materialistic want to make you look better story. Yeah. So one thing for people listening to this, you say you do soul sessions, you do yoga workshops, um, a range of different things. You can even see it on your website, like art classes, poetry, movie nights. It all sounds amazing. But for a, a salon owner listening out there, or even their team, they're probably thinking, that's great, but I don't have time to do it. Where do you fit this into your day-to-day? So our soul sessions is an open invitation to the team. So nobody has to go. Um, it's kind of, we all take turns on who wants to do what, what do we want to get in? And um, I think the latest thing is that somebody wants to, do, they want to get in self-defense classes. So sometimes it's on Sundays. Sometimes on the evenings. It's dominantly on Sundays. I'd say we average about once a month. And we've built up this network of like um, clients even who are maybe yoga teachers or Reiki teachers or meditation teachers or like various different um, broad spectrum of things that are, I suppose, for personal growth. And we try to host a session generally on a Sunday. We give our staff um, kind of... Um, preference over the the spots available in each class and then soon as our staff let us know who want to be there we open up to the clients as well and but from a meditation point of view we schedule every staff member in paid 15 minutes earlier every morning so some mornings we start at 10 some mornings we start at 9 so they get paid 15 minutes ahead of start time ahead of their first client and we'll all meditate for 15 minutes and that I think is the fundamental yeah. of our our culture because that's everybody in. It doesn't matter who's been dropping kids, who has financial problems, who has relationship problems, who has a family member sick, whose children's not well. It gets everybody in. Everyone gets the opportunity to declutter, to lower their heart rate, to refocus, to feel safe, feel secure, feel supported. 
And then everyone is triggering all those lovely areas of their brain that are responsible for stress management and they're responsible for like their emotional intelligence. They're, they know that and they're equipped now that when challenges arise during the day that they can deal with them as best as possible. They're all more intuitive, more all more empathic, all more compassionate. And we start every day from that place, which is really unusual to probably most other workplaces where people just come in from whatever turbulence they might have and are expected just to get straight into this this demanding um, kind of a workplace. Yeah, I mean, like an extra 15 minutes. At the end of the day, it doesn't really cost you a whole lot, but it means so much to the team. Because, like you said, you're coming in from a mental trip to dropping the kids to the school or you're on a bus, you're fighting everyone trying to get through this rush hour. But the last thing you want to do is just turn up to work and then get straight into being, hi, how are you? How are you getting on? You know, being real nice as if there's nothing wrong when right up here in your head, you're stressed like I don't know what. So it's great to have that. And like, which is which is more lucrative to a business? A highly stressed, overwhelmed workforce? Or a workforce that you're happy to donate 15 minutes to to getting them to work from the right place in the right way for the day and i'm sure if it took off like you could probably introduce it as i suppose do it where you don't have to pay them the first 15 minutes and if it took off then okay yeah that would be the incentive but i mean i'm pretty sure any company i'd go to if you said listen you're going to get 15 minutes and we'll do a mindfulness session before you start work yeah my hand is straight off like <laughs> Yeah, same here. As soon as you ask people, are you stressed? They're going to say, yeah. As soon as you say people, would are you curious or at least open to mindfulness, well-being, meditation? They're going to say, yeah. As soon as you say, well, why don't you do it? First answer you get is, well, I just don't get the time. Like, I'm up first thing. I have all these meetings to do. I have to race into work. I have to. So it's, it's dominantly time why people are not giving themselves that space to live into their full potential. So and actually work you spend 70% of your life in and it's actually the biggest contributor to, to stress in people's lives. So if that's the environment that's giving you the time to prioritize yourself, your wellness, your well-being, then you're gonna you're you're like the kind the the relationship you're gonna build with your with your um work is is totally different to a possible relationship that can kind of be resentful of who you work for because you might feel like I'm only lying in their pockets. I'm only a number. I'm a, a, like I've, n- I've no relationship. But you, you don't you don't feel prioritized. So the difference between a human feeling feeling valued and prioritized by their company and not is extreme. Like that's really the root of disconnect. What why are your are your employees not working for you for your message for your values for your goals? Well, are you working for them? You couldn't have put in any better, to be honest. She's a nap with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one thing that like I was told about, but I don't really know much about, so I'm curious to hear how it works, is the, the CPD initiative. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so in lots of different, um, in lots of other fields of work, there'll be this CPD. PD initiative which basically is a monitoring system to ensure that people are constantly being updated and educated in their field because every field is obviously dynamic and constantly changeable and in our experience that wasn't happening in hairdressing you'd do your four-year apprenticeship and you'd just be left on the floor for 25 years doing the same thing you did in it which which is a different decade a different generation um of style and look and technology and science and all the rest of it so we really wanted it to be fundamental to the space that we were we had some sort of a monitoring system 
a minimum standard that everybody had to commit to to make sure that we were all as a company staying ahead of the game on top of our game and really remaining the experts because um if we feel like we're experts we act like we're experts and then in return we're we're viewed as experts and treated as experts and that's what warrants everything our price list um and we don't we don't do a tiered system a lot of salons might do stylist master stylist style director we don't do that because we have everybody performing and equipped to perform at the highest level yeah so there's no hierarchy per se everyone is at the level that they've trained themselves up to no there's no rock stars no rock stars <laughs> no, no egos so yeah. So how does the CPD initiative work then? Is it a case of you offer courses that your staff can go and do or the team go out and find something that they want to enroll in? So from a skill perspective, they can come to us with any course that they would like to do. And we absolutely will consider if they have an interest in it. But we do kind of, I guess, push that along a little bit and encourage certain um, skill sets and put on master classes and um, encourage certain courses that are going on that we feel are uh, worth their salt, as you would say. Um, um, so we do push it a lot, but they are absolutely on board. And we do, obviously, that's for, right from recruitment, that's part of the minimum standards is that you commit to this if you if you're going to be involved with the spaces messages that we are going to perform to this level and we're all going to commit to doing that and so of course we have to have flexibility with it at times but whenever say somebody can't meet one make one sorry we would somebody would take them through it do you know so everybody is always meeting that minimum standard but what's been a huge eye-opener for me is that not only is um, developing them in their skill sets huge but developing their personal is huge as well so getting speakers not necessarily just on hairdressing getting them on as Nadine said um, emotional intelligence or getting them on uh, the psychology of a uh, human brain or getting them to that level of understanding because they're dealing with people on a daily basis that are coming from every walk of life uh, haven't gone through every type of situation and they really have to be um, a game changer with their communication levels so the communication is as big as the skill set isn't it Nadine? Yeah they have to they have to just both go hand in hand unfortunately to be I, I suppose super successful as a, an individual and as a collective you need to have both you need to have like inarguable levels of hairdressing skill and you have to have an innate ability to listen and communicate very well but um usually what happens is Carla actually will just be hunting down who is the best in the whole wide world who's the best core who's the best session stylist who's doing the best balayage who's doing the best um multi-tonal color techniques and she'll see what city they're in or can they can they come to us and I'm like let's not give too much yeah, away now so she, <laughs> then obviously we'll, we'll put to the team and see who wants to go who's available everyone's not always available so anytime we do any type of education we make sure that um two people who've had the education then do a master class in the space for anyone who might have missed it so no nobody is le gets left behind everybody is caught up 
on any education. You have to tick off. We make that that absolutely important. So if you come to us and you say, this amazing balayage, I was going to be in London, I really want to do this course, we're like, no problem. You go, Michelle's free. Michelle goes, when the two of you come back, you're going to hold a masterclass at this stage and we're all going to be there. That's part of the deal. That's really part. That's really part of it that we're not just educating some, we're educating everybody and everybody again is kept on that kind of balanced tier system. And, and there's not some people shining and some people sinking. It's a great idea sending two away to come back then to teach because now, you know, they're not wasting your time going to a course because they actually have to retain that information and then reteach it, which means they're actually going to obtain those skills even longer because it's that reteaching. The reteaching and is brilliant. Yeah. One, one course we did this year in um, Berlin, was it? Yeah. Um, there was about eight of us who went. Yeah. Um, but actually on that day, maybe four techniques were shown. So it meant two people could take a technique each and do a masterclass on each technique. So even if it's not just two people going, we'll make sure everyone comes back with a responsibility to deliver something because even just teaching something kind of um, ingrains it deeper in yourself. Yeah. And then obviously also what we do is we take elements we like and put our own spin on it yeah. and incorporate the salon in our own ways or merge with different techs and techniques that maybe we've developed or we've taken from somewhere else. Yeah, that's so important. And that's really important because we, we, we oh, definitely yeah. want yeah. it to look like our brand and our unique um, type of delivery when it comes to hair. So it's not necessarily, not necessarily taking everything, but everything we do, there's something to take or something to expand on or yeah. something, something to capitalise on. So if a salon owner was coming to you and saying, you know, I want to, I want to instill a better salon culture, but I don't know where to go. I don't know what, like what to start with. What would be kind of your first tips for them? I would say, you know, whatever way you want to do it, there has to be a message that they're not just working for you, that you're working for them. Their, their best intentions have to be, have to be prioritized and met. They have to be seen as humans. They have to, you, you have to want them to thrive in every element, personally, professionally, um, financially, in every way. Um, and I think if you do that for them, they're just going to naturally want to do that for you. It's going to be something that they want to be a part of. I also would maybe say to not, to try and not create um, segregations, that there's no kind of favourites or um, yeah. unfairness. Yeah. That everybody is a part and everyone gets to to take to equal I suppose have equal responsibility but also equal possibility and equal potential to grow and um not just some people are encouraged, some people I just think it can it often in salons it can be quite segregated. So I think yeah. if everyone in the in the salon could be made to feel equal. Yeah then they're not threatened or timid, intimidated or, or competing with each other. And that's, that's a team. A team is people who are all working together with, with, with the same goal. Yeah. And when you segregate people, I think you lose that because they start competing with each other. Yeah. And um, actually, something else we do, which we actually even forget we do that, we do it now at the moment, but we try and approach everything in a co-op sense. Yeah. So we try and involve the team in, in as many decisions as we can and we put the power back in their hands with lots of decisions got to do with the salon and of course we have final say on the direction it's going to go or if that's going to be on brand or 
yeah but whatever we, it may yeah, be we, but a lot of the time they hit it on the on the mark yeah don't they? And, and we make sure that it's super transparent that they know what we're doing why we're doing it what our intentions are what the reasons are what the goals are how it's going to benefit them how it's going to benefit us how it's going to benefit the collective so that's true we're, we're crazy transparent sometimes to a fault because we nearly don't get our own way and they yeah. do quite often but the other thing I'd say is education like education is power like you are just empowering your staff to knock it out of the park if you've equipped them with the best of everything so I think um like there's just it's priceless you can't put a price on really good consistent education yeah Absolutely. Well, like some really good points there. So you've got the salon running for two years. You're you definitely know a thing or two about culture and education. Is there any th- things I suppose you would have learned along the way that you or sorry, that you did learn along the way that you would have changed? Um, the recruitment process, we changed. Yeah, quite well. Like we see to explain how we when we opened the space up we had obviously worked in the industry for 13 years before that and we had some really great friends that were really great hairdressers and a lot of them out on their own at that point and who really wanted to come on board and do this together as a collective Mm. but then obviously when you're growing the business the recruitment process where it's been evolving very quickly over the two years of what the things we need to put in place to get, um, I guess, any new team member that comes on up to the to the standard and the um, operating in the way that we all do. Um, so we've we we've realised that we need to put in a varidrum process. We've realised how important it is to continuously recruit and not just panic recruit. And I think that's definitely been one thing we've learned along yeah, the way. Yeah, we were very lucky at the start because basically we got to handpick who we wanted. Like yeah. we've worked in the industry for a long time. We've been in fashion. We've been in teaching. We've been in, we've been on a multitude of different artistic teams. We've worked in different salons. Worked for different brands. Yeah, and we basically knew who were the best of the best was out there and actually had great relationships with them. So we were in a position to, and, and actually they, 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 we, they knew our message, knew our values, knew our goals, knew the type of salon we were trying to build. I knew the type of people we were. Knew the type of people we were and very much wanted to come and work for us. So we had the pick of the litter at the beginning. But obviously then as the, as, time, as time developed and we, we had everyone we wanted to have, we got to the point where we were like, right, we're going to have to actually now recruit strangers, people we maybe haven't worked with, people who we maybe don't know, who we haven't got relationships, friendships with. Um, and that was that was the big transitional period yeah. for us because yeah. it takes so long to to figure out who what, who a human is and um, if they're going to fit the dynamic and what their skill level is like. And yes, maybe they can't do it, but have they got the potential to do it? And yeah. what what um processes can we put in place to, help to bring people up to that level mm-hmm. as kind of well and quickly and positively as we can yes so that's really only that's probably only the last six months that yeah been, yeah that we're starting we're to conquer that, that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like that uh, the proactive recruitment as opposed to the rush recruitment. So when you're saying like always having a pool of people ready to take on as opposed to, oh, no, we need staff. Let's do a hiring. Let's do a recruitment drive now. 
Yeah. That can happen because, I mean, we have a waiting list there. We can't get anyone else in. We have three CVs there. Look, just get just get somebody in, get someone yeah. behind a chair. It's very tempting. It's very tempting. So we're faced with, okay, we can't fit them clients in. Because we haven't got the right person. We haven't got the right person. And unfortunately, we're going to just have to have to accept that deficit yeah. until, we've, until we've the right person to put behind that chair because the wrong, the last, person, the wrong person can be a hole in the bucket and when you work so hard to build to build an ethos and a culture and a, and a reputation you just can't you just can't lightly put that at risk yeah not in the service industry anyways and has that happened to you has someone slipped through the cracks where they weren't a culture fit but they had the, the skill set and um, we'd be lying if we say said it didn't happen or yeah, yeah it has happened mm. we've definitely learned along the way yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. what's the best fit what attributes we're looking for and yeah. you know yourself when you're in an interview you see the best side of somebody so it's really 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 hard to tell yeah, and actually I think we've seen both like we've definitely seen scenarios where people had this skill set but maybe maybe we're never gonna we're never gonna really invest in the culture or the embody embody the message, the, the message and that's fine um, and then we had the opposite issues where we had people who embodied the message and believed in the culture and absolutely wanted to be a part of this movement but just couldn't get their skill level there yeah. so actually it's quite a unique um thing to find so when we do find them that we try to keep them forever yeah <laughs> <laughs> like all paddy and ronan jokes aside our experience with forest has been like really good you guys are so helpful and we literally only have to log a call and we, we get we get guidance and help and um, and understanding and Ronan and Paddy have been been really crucial to the to to um lots of the business development in lots of ways. So um if there's any thing we can say about Forest it's you guys have been amazing and yeah. we'll endorse you guys all the way. Yeah, and the thing is for me, like they, I'm so passionate about this our hairdressing industry and they are one of the, they are representing us out there and listening to our voices and, and listening to the problems and coming up with solutions for us. Yeah. So that's really important that, that the people behind that are have their ears open yeah. and are hearing us because it's, I don't... It's valued. They, yeah. The hairdresser is valued and listened to and heard and um, that's, it's unusual as a hairdresser to feel valued and actually that's, I think, what's unique about Forrest. Um, is that they've is that they value the hairdresser and they make this work for an industry they they know and believe in and like obviously embed themselves in yeah well like in fairness we couldn't we couldn't do it without you like even just in LA recently at that advanced education session Patty was mentioning like the 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 discussions you had uh, with with him and, and and you know the challenges you were experiencing with Instagram and the ROI and stuff like that and we can only we can only do so much without you guys like you at the end of the day are using the product so we need to get it needs to be a relationship it needs to be an ongoing conversation i suppose so i mean nadine carla this has been amazing i think that anyone listening to this episode will have a lot to take in and and a lot to think about because i think you guys are really nailing it on the head and uh yeah i mean Good luck. Good luck to everyone building a salon culture. It's 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 not an easy thing, but like in any business, it's not easy. And 
I think I think it does make a massive difference at the end of the day. So yeah, yeah you're doing a phenomenal job, guys. Uh, thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Namaste. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was Nadine and Carla from the Space Salon here in Dublin talking about culture and the importance of, I suppose, the importance of that work-life balance for your staff. So a lot of great, two very passionate people there about their, not just their salon, but their actual staff, their team as well. So hopefully there's a few things that you can take away from that. And now we're going to move into the second half of the show. So we have a couple of announcements. One announcement we have is the Forest SMS Money Back campaign. What is it? It's a campaign that we launched in October, and now we're actually going to roll it through to the end of 2018. And the aim of it is to help you fill up your appointment books for 2018. So why did we come up with this campaign? Well, we know with SMS marketing, you can reach and retain 68% more of your clients. We did a podcast on this there a couple of weeks back where we had Luke Doolin and we had Helen Devenian, and they were talking about where the 68% comes from is that you have you take mostly clients' phone numbers as opposed to email. So that's 68% is you have 68% more phone numbers for clients, mobile, cell phones, than you would in email addresses. And by sending SMS campaigns, you're going to make 20, on average 22 times your investment on any SMS campaign. So the point of this then, as we said, is to help you fill up your appointment books for the rest of 2018. So there is a link in this bio. You can click that link and enter your details. You can use either one of the template SMSs from our grow team, or you can create your own SMS. And we'll refund you the full amount of money you've spent if you don't make double what you spent on your campaign. So that's how confident we are with this campaign. Um, if you're emailing any forest staff, you'll see a link to that in their email signatures as well, or just contact grow at forest.com or just give us a phone call and we can put you onto the right people. One other thing that we did announce this week was the, uh, well, for, first of all, another speaker at the Salon Owner Summit on the main stage. So I'll be ex Cortez and he's going to be talking about retail drawing our awareness to the damaging trends that are happening in the salon retail space. And he's going to share a case study of how one salon owner in the U.S. decided to take it on and combat the problem. His talk is called Retail Carbon Monoxide. I'm really excited for that one. And then the other thing that we did announce regarding the Salon Owners Summit still is the actual agenda of the day uh, and the previous and following days. So as usual, on the Sunday, we have organized tours of Dublin, um, which require additional registration. Uh, then you have the welcome reception. This year, it's going to be at Sam's Bar on Dawson Street. And then obviously the day of the summit, it's a full day registration. There's welcoming words from uh, Ronan and you have Joe Fairley on the main stage. You've got a workshop rotation, uh, networking opportunities. Ryan Holiday then hops onto the main stage. Then you've got a networking lunch. And then in the afternoon, you have Christina Cradle, two other workshop ro rotations, uh, Albiex Cortez, David Barnett, and once again, Ronan closes off uh, the day of the summit for everyone to then go over to the after party, which takes place this year at Opium in Dublin too. And then as usual, for the last two years, we've been hosting Inside Forest. So a tour and a session at Forest HQ in Dublin. Uh, the spaces are limited. So if you have your salon owner summit tickets already, get on to Aaron Doyle, uh, who you've probably been chatting to anyways, for the tickets to register your spot on that day for Inside Forest. We're also going to be hosting a Forest FM live podcast, just like last year. It should be really exciting. Uh, details to come on that soon enough.
And just to wrap up the show, we just want to announce one final feature update, which is on Forest Go. And this came from the Salon Digital Summit in LA, where Ronan and Paddy were talking about this. What is it? Basically, it's service pictures and Salon portfolio on Forest Go. So anyone who uses the Forest Go iOS app, that is now live, and it will be coming to Android over the next while. So what exactly is the service pictures and Salon portfolio? Well, it's just another way for us moving forward to integrating Instagram into Forest. As we know, Instagram since its inception in 2010, it now has a billion users this year. So we're doing a lot more around kind of forest and Instagram. And this is just one step where you can now store all your salons photos and you can push them through social media from the Forest Go app. So for anyone that's using Forest Go on the iOS, I recommend checking that out. Yeah, because I don't know, it's kind of like reducing that whole like 78 WhatsApp messages of photos from your stylists and and trying to figure out which one photo you want to post on Instagram. Like I've seen the demo in LA, like you were mentioning, and to be honest, it is mind blowing. Like it's going to save so much time. It's funny that you say that the 70 images in WhatsApp, because that actually came from Nadine in the space as well. So completely unrelated, but yet somehow related in this episode. She was saying that she had to ask her staff members for any before and after pictures that uh, her team took. And within a minute, they received 70 images in the WhatsApp group and they just get lost. It's like you don't know which images you're finding. So this is just another way of all those images coming into one space where you can assign it to the service as well. So if your client has a photo of a blow dry, that will actually connect to that service. And then you can go through the different services, create collages, and it'll also indicate which of those images then can be shared online now that bit you will have to do separate yourself but it's just another way again another step forward to bringing everything together for you absolutely so listen guys that's it for us today don't forget to keep tagging us on social media and if you have any feedback feel free to leave us a review on itunes or on stitcher we're always looking for suggestions on how to improve the show we're also on spotify so you can catch us there if you prefer otherwise have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next monday All the best.